A summary of chapter 9's content. A summary of chapter 9's content. That's verses 30 through 33. A summary of chapter 9's content. Verses 30 through 33. And the scripture reference, by the way, for Israel being just as bad or worse than Sodom and Gomorrah is Matthew chapter 11, verse 24. That way you know that I didn't just make up something. Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, verse 24. Dad, can you go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 24 and just read it? It's in the New Testament. <laughs> Matthew chapter 11, verse 24. Verse 24? Yes, yes, sir. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for, for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Okay. And you, Capernaum, which are exalted uh, unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. That's a powerful statement. Then he says, But I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you, specifically talking about the sinning against the light. Yeah, you know? the rejection, because yeah. that's what I believe. That they, he, he, he went there for one man, Satan, and they say, go, go, I think that was it, go away. We don't want, right. we don't want you in our they, they just rejected him outright. So, chapter 9, verses 30 through 33. Let's go ahead and read it. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness? even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumble at the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling stone and rock of offense. And whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. So let's dive on in and break down these three verses. Paul has shown in verses 6 through 29 that they, speaking of the Jews, have no claim as of a right to salvation. Their history as recorded and interpreted in the scriptures portrays them to be a people of rebellion. Remember, they would have claimed that they're saved simply because they're Jews. Yeah. They followed and persisted in following a path on which salvation was not to be found. And they were inexcusable in doing so inasmuch as God had made his way of salvation plain and accessible to all. They had... I've already said it. So they, they had the law, the prophets, all the feast days, the sacrificial system. All of those things pointed to Christ and what he would do. Every single one of them. There was no excuse. They should have seen it. They had no excuse. At least the Gentiles did. But yet the Gentiles 
ended up accepting it. Gentiles had no desire for God or righteousness. How to be right with God was not their main interest, if any at all. These Gentiles did obtain this attribute of God, whereas Israel, who should have received righteousness, didn't receive it at all. The Gentiles accepted, believed, and appropriated a righteousness which comes by faith alone. The Jews could not accept this as okay and would not believe it to be true. Right. Israel chose the route of righteousness by works or performance in law keeping. As we see in their history, they could not do it as no man can. Ultimately, the nation destroys itself by attempting to attain to a righteousness which comes by obedience and performance, which man cannot do. So if we take the same route as Israel, we can see what will happen. We'll be destroyed. And we won't attain to righteousness. Not by performance and obedience. We can't do it. We can't, we can't get the righteousness of God that way. No matter how well you perform, because it's got to be perfect. And there's only one man who's ever done that. Jesus. Thank God for that man. The Jews couldn't see past that. They just kept setting out to be right by performance and obedience. And when they found that they couldn't keep the Ten Commandments, they didn't give up. <laughs> because as mankind, we are persistent. We're fighters, right? So they made up about 600-something laws to help prevent them from breaking the Ten. Now, you couldn't keep Ten, so what makes you think making up 600? <laughs> It's going to help you keep the ten you couldn't already keep. Now you, you couldn't keep the ten. You still won't be able to keep the ten. And now you're going to break the 600 that you just made up. <laughs> so you were already in bondage. Yeah. And now you've just increased your bondage. Because you can't do it. You can't be right with God through obedience and performance. Because you can't do it. They proved it to themselves. They proved it. They just kept proving the point over and over again. And with each law that they added, they just proved the point again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why do you think they had to add all those laws? Because they couldn't, they couldn't do, do it. it. Yeah. 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 One, of, one of the, uh, what was it? The suffering, Sadducees. Pharisees. Either way. The bleeding. The bleeding. The, the bleeding Pharisees. They would blind themselves. They would stay cloaked. Cover their faces. So they wouldn't look upon a woman in lust. Because obviously they found that we were not supposed we're not supposed to lust. That they could see that very clearly in the commandments. Okay, we cannot do that. But they kept doing it. They kept breaking it. So they, well, in order to not break it, we just can't see anything. 
And then we won't lust. So then, now they're blind and running into stuff. They call them the bleeding Pharisees because they would run into everything. Yeah. Bleeding. Because you can't see, so you run into walls and whatever else. Not that, that just... Law make you dumb. Right. <laughs> just outright stupid. So that made him twice blind. Twice blind. <laughs> twice baked potato. Twice blind. Yeah, twice blind. Yeah. When you operate, that's what has to happen when you go the way of law, performance, and obedience. When you see that you can't keep it, which you can't, you won't be able to, then you'll have to add a safeguard. I need, a, they call them fence laws. I need a fence up yeah. to keep me from trespassing. Right. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Don't go in the other yard. I keep going in the other yard. Well, we need to put up a fence then to permit you, to discourage you from going into the other yard. That was the ideas of the fence laws. Yeah. We'll just put this, we need to come up with this law to keep you from breaking this law. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. So in order to make sure that no one works on the Sabbath, ladies, you can't comb your hair just in case there is a piece of dust in your hair and we'll call that plowing. Because we need that fence law to keep you from breaking that law. Because what they found is that they kept breaking the law. We just, we can't keep it. But we've got to keep it for righteousness. And this is how we're going to get righteousness. Even though the real purpose of the law was to show them what? You can't do it. You can't You can't do it. And then Jesus would come along and just come unto me all you who are labored and heavy heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come unto me all you who are bound in law and legalism and I'll give you rest. Rest from your works. Rest from your rules, regulations, and routines. Because if you're doing it for righteousness, I'm already provided. But when I, when I learned that He fulfilled the law for me, awake. Praise God. Oh, yeah. Come unto me, all you that labor, that are working to gain righteousness, that are working to gain victory, that are working to gain favor with God. Come unto me, all you who keep laboring and striving and working. Just come unto me. And I'll give you rest. I'll give you the true Sabbath. And if, you, if you're in Christ and you're trusting in Him and you've laid down your works and your labor, guess what you've just done? You fulfilled the Sabbath. 
Because he's the real Sabbath. He was meant to represent the rest. The Sabbath was meant to represent the rest that we have in Christ. I can rest from my works. I can rest from my labors to gain anything with God. I've already gained it all in the person of Jesus Christ. I've already gained righteousness in Him. I've already gained victory over the sins that I struggle with in Christ. I've already gained it. I've already gained the favor of God in Christ. I've gained it all. I've gained the inheritance in Christ. I don't have to try to get anything from Him. Because He gave it freely. Because it's by grace. And it's a free gift. And I don't have to work for it. I don't have to pray enough for God to show up in my time of need. Because Jesus did it all. It is finished. I don't have to fast enough for Him to give me victory. Because He's already given it. Yes. I don't have to be... This is a big one. This is a big one. This is great. This is good news. I don't have to be perfect. <laughs> because he's already perfect. And he's been perfect for me. And I'm going to blow it. Because I'm not perfect and I don't have to be perfect. Because my Jesus has already been perfect. I don't have to walk on eggshells before the Lord. The judgment hammer of God won't be coming down upon me when I blow it. When, not if, when I blow it. The Lord is not looking down upon me with a frown who doesn't really love me and He's ready to smite me down when I blow it. Because my faith is in Christ. And in Him, I have righteousness. And that's what God demands. He doesn't demand perfection. He demands faith in Christ. It's impossible to please God without faith. And if your faith is in the right thing, then He sees you as perfect. Even when you're not. And if you don't believe me, I'll show you in the Old Testament. I'll tell you a story. Remember the prophet? False, but he was a real prophet, but he went his own way. And he loved money. And someone said, I'll give you a bunch of money if you curse those people down there, which happened to be Israel. (laughs) If you curse those people. Now, he was a real prophet because of his answer. And the evidence in Scripture that he was a real prophet, but he went his own way. And the love of money, wealth, God. He said, uh, all right, I'll do it. You're going to pay me like that, I'll do it. So he goes on his way, and there, down, and there's more of this story, but we'll just jump to the point. 
There down in the valley is the nation of Israel. In the middle of that nation is the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. And there they are all around. Now we know from Israel's history they were not perfect. They had done some things wrong. It wasn't too far out of Egypt that they built a golden calf. <laughs> so that's already happened in the history of Israel by the time we get to this point. And probably and many other things, I'm sure. And he says, he curse them. I can't curse what God has blessed. I'm paying you to curse them, bro. You're not doing this. Obviously, <laughs> paraphrasing. Curse them. I'll give you more. Curse them. I can't curse that which God has blessed. Speaking by the Spirit of God in those instances. Yeah. Take that personally. That's what the Spirit of God, if your faith is in Christ, the Spirit of God is speaking that over you. Yes, amen. That's right. I can't curse what God has blessed. And take this one to heart. Curse these people, man. Paying your money. <laughs> I can't curse what God has blessed. I see no iniquity in Jacob. No perverseness in Israel. Well, if you look at Israel's past, they had some perverseness in iniquity. But God saw them as righteous. If your faith is in Christ, the Spirit of God even when you blow it, you repent. The Spirit of God says justification by faith is not a made up thing. So much so that I see no iniquity in Sarah. No perverseness in Sarah. You need to Yeah, but I just, I just blew it. Justification by faith. I see no iniquity. Praise God. No perverseness. Yes. Mm. Praise God. The type of faith that brings righteousness is a total faith in Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done. Israel sought after righteousness by performance, works, obedience. They couldn't attain to it because it cannot be found there due to man's inability. The law of Moses exhibited righteousness, but it cannot bestow righteousness. Israel had faith, but their faith was in themselves. Their abilities, their good works, etc. The object of their faith was wrong. Many in the church today, same story. We claim to have faith in God, but really our faith is in ourselves. How well we can obey. How good we perform. Our faith is really in ourselves. And when that happens, bondage is put on us. 
Because now you've got to perform well. And if you don't perform well, God hates you. God's not pleased with you, at least. He still loves you, but only out of obligation. We may never say it, but that's how we feel, really. I know I'm saying, but he's frowning upon me today because I'm not doing so good. God's looking down from heaven, frowning upon me because my performance today is not so good. And then when our performance is good, pray God, the Lord is happy with me today. Boy, he's smiling upon me. I have his favor. But we're not doing good. We think God's not pleased with me today. He's not going to be with me today. And it gets even worse when you just face things of life. I'm not performing so well, and now I'm sick. And that's probably because I'm not doing right. You're just sick, man. It's a result of the fallen world. Your faith is in Christ. He's pleased with you. Yes, and your performance might not be so good right now, but the job of the Holy Spirit is to take your performance and bring it up to your position. That's it. It's to take your condition, bring it up to your position in Christ. In Christ, you have perfect righteousness. God's pleased with you. He views you as perfect, as though you've never sinned. He looks at you just like you're Jesus, as far as righteousness goes. You have the perfect righteousness of Christ. So if you blow it, ask for forgiveness and get up. We don't need a pity party. That's not going to help nothing. You blew it. Ask for forgiveness. Know who you are in Christ. Yeah. Know what you have in Him. Right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm right. I have justification. Praise God. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Keep going. Keep moving. Don't sit down. Don't get in a pity party. Don't call someone else that's going to help you get in a pity party. <laughs> right. <laughs> and don't turn to law. When you blow it. Like Perry said. You blow it. You ask for forgiveness. We can normally get that part right. What we do next. Is what makes or breaks us. Are you going to go to faith in Christ and the cross? Or are you going to go to some rule, routine, law. Or efforts of your own. To make sure it doesn't happen again. Because if you go that way. You go in the way of law. And like we've seen, the sin nature is going to revive. Yeah. Which means real bad news for you. And if you thought the one failure was rough, get ready. And buckle up because you're about to do things that you didn't even do before you got saved. And you'll be so confused and you don't even understand why. The offense of the cross at which Israel stumbled is not simply the fact that it is a cross, whereas they expected a messianic throne. The cross offended them because, as interpreted by Paul, it summoned them to begin their spiritual life from the very beginning, at the foot of the crucified. Owing a debt to him they could never repay by works. Israel believed he would be a mighty conqueror, leading them to their place of glory. They had no interest in a Savior. That's right. How many times is Christ presented that way today in modern church? 
We're not, we, you don't need to see that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. You need to see that Christ will help you do all things. Right. Christ will make you a better such and such. Some truth there, but if you haven't seen that you're, a, you need a Savior. Israel wanted a king, a conquering king that would exalt them. Let's just be honest. If you go aware of Jesus, he's going to bless you. Praise God. He's going to pour out his favor upon you. You're going to be the head and not the tail. He's going to give you that job you want, that career you want. You're not going to struggle financially. I know this stuff sounds great. It appeals to the flesh and even his scripture. Because we got to do that for it to be believable. But yet the whole time, I've never even showed you that you're a sinner. Yeah. Right. I don't need a savior. I just need a little help. Mm -hmm. No, you need a savior. Yeah. Israel didn't think they needed a savior. They just needed a conquering king to help them go to the place that they are meant to be. That's how Christ is presented a lot of times in the modern church. Yeah, that's true. Well, there ain't nothing wrong with that yet. Yeah, that's the way of Israel. That's what they wanted, and they were so blind to the Messiah when he came because it wasn't what he wanted. So what will happen is to that person that you just preached that to, they may come in and it seems all great, praise God, they got saved, they're living for the Lord, except for when what they think should happen doesn't happen. Right. Because it's not God's will. Never really talk about what is God's will for your life. Well, God helped me to get done. You could be successful in this life and not be in God's will. So what's more important? That's something you're going to have to answer in your own heart and life. Yeah. I know for me, I want his will. I want his will for me and Sarah's life, for my family. Even if it doesn't mean that I'm exalted. Even if it doesn't mean that I, I don't have a ministry. And instead of preaching and teaching, I'm just called to help. If that's your will, Lord, that's what I want. I don't need my own church. I don't need my own ministry. Lord, if you call me to help somewhere, I'll help. If that's your will, that's what I want. Let me decrease. That you may increase. Jesus came as a man of humility. Actually a man of sorrows. He was a peasant. He preached the kingdom of God. Rather than the kingdom of Israel. He used none of his power. To overthrow Rome. Therefore they rejected him. Because they were actually more interested in the kingdom of Israel than the kingdom of God. 
Because the kingdom of Israel meant that they were the supreme nation of the world. Once again, praise God. We're not going to get into chapter 10 because we're just not going to have time. The Lord just moved in a different direction. But think, I want you to really think about this now. They were more interested in the kingdom of Israel than the kingdom of God. And when he, when Jesus, the Messiah, didn't fit into their kingdom, he had to go. What do you mean he had to go? They had to kill him. Abel didn't fit into Cain's kingdom. So what's the answer? We got to get rid of him. How? Kill him. Someone doesn't fit into my life very well. And they're not for me and my goals. What do we got to do? We got to get them out of here. This is ridiculous. We can't be friends. Can't work here. Can't go to this church. We are so self-centered. Now, I'm also going to say this, and I'm, this is not my, if you know me, this is definitely not my normal thing. I don't really like this. I am tired of ministers of the gospel that are called by God that, to be honest, preach more the kingdom of America. Yeah. Than the kingdom of God. We, ministers behind the sacred desk preaching the kingdom of America more than the kingdom of God. That's not my calling. Yeah. Israel is going to be a supreme nation of the world one day. But yet Jesus didn't preach Israel. He preached the kingdom of God. So as a minister called by him, what should I be doing? Preaching the kingdom of God. Preaching the kingdom of God. But we're more worried about the kingdom of America. And we as Americans could use a wake-up call. We are not the center of the universe. I'll be honest, we're not. The only reason we are where we are is because the gospel can go out. Yes. Once that stops, get ready. Yeah. Yeah. Israel is going to be here long after America is gone. Yeah. The truth is, they're the center of everything that happens. We've got to wake up. And I know that's some harsh stuff, but it's, it's the truth. And I'm not ashamed of it. And I won't back down. Preach the kingdom of God. Not America. Their sacrifices spelled out very clearly what would happen to the Messiah and that he would pay the sin penalty. But yet they rejected it. 
Salvation is open to all and not a select predestined few. Remember, this goes back to predestination. That's what Paul is talking about at the end of chapter 8. And everything is in context. Because at the end of chapter 9, it says, As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. Amen. Whosoever. Whosoever. That's me. That's me. Whosoever. Because remember, Paul is talking about predestination. Whosoever. There are not those that are predestined to be saved and predestined to be lost. If so, then the word whosoever shouldn't be here. That's right. That's right. Those who accept him, believe and trust in him, will reap his glory. Those who do not will reap shame. That's what it says at the end. Whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. Amen. Yes. Mm. That's the end of chapter 9. 